0: Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the profound narrative of strength in what remains. In this captivating book by Pulitzer Prize winning author Tracy Kidder, we embark on an inspiring journey with Deo Gratias, a young man who flees the horrors of civil war and genocide in Burundi. Arriving in New York City with nothing more than his will and resilience, Deo embarks on a remarkable path that takes him from homelessness to the hallowed halls of Columbia University, and finally back to his native land to heal his community. Strength in what remains is a testament to the indomitable human spirit and the profound impact kindness can have on the life of another. Kidder, with his celebrated storytelling prowess, vividly depicts the complexities of the Hutu-Tutsi conflict while capturing the nuances of hope and redemption in the face of overwhelming adversity. This book is an essential read for those who are fascinated by extraordinary stories of survival and triumph against all odds, especially readers interested in the challenges faced by refugees. It is also a beacon for established and aspiring philanthropists who seek to understand the monumental difference that generosity can make, not just to an individual, but to entire communities. Tracy Kidder's narrative powers and credentials, including the acclaimed works Among Schoolchildren, The Soul of a New Machine, and Mountains Beyond Mountains, assure us that strength in what remains is both an educational and a deeply moving literary experience. Join us as we uncover the resilience and humanity at the heart of this remarkable tale. Strength in what remains. A journey of remembrance and forgiveness. Introduction, a tale of remarkable resilience and the kindness of strangers. Picture a life turned upside down by a brutal conflict, one where fleeing is the only option for survival. Now imagine landing on the bustling streets of New York City alone, without understanding a word of English and holding a mere $200, A ticket to an uncertain future. This was the world Deo had to navigate in 1994 after escaping the violent maelstrom of the Burundian Civil War. Despite the odds stacked against him, Deo's story is not one of despair, but a testament to human resilience and generosity. As fate would have it, he encountered good Samaritans who provided him with shelter and support. These everyday heroes played a pivotal role in his remarkable transformation from a destitute refugee. To a medical student at Columbia University. Through Deo's eyes, witness the horrors of the Hutu Tutsi conflict, uncover the sheer determination that fueled Deo's academic pursuits, and ultimately join him on a heartfelt mission back to his origins. Journey from war zone to classroom to heal the wounds of a nation Deo, a young man whose world was torn apart by the violent clashes between the Hutus and Tutsis, found himself alone and adrift in the vast urban sea of New York. Yet, in the face of daunting challenges, he didn't give up. An indomitable spirit guided him as he received unexpected yet transformative assistance, shaping his path from a runaway to a student of medicine at the prestigious Columbia University. Alongside descriptions of Deo's ascent in the world of academia, listeners will be exposed to the grim realities of the conflict that forced him to leave his homeland. But the heart of Deo's tale lies in what he accomplishes upon his return a venture fueled by the desire to apply his newfound knowledge to aid those he left behind. Join him as he endeavors to bring healing and hope back to the place where his journey began, showcasing the power of education and altruism to rebuild and rejuvenate communities crippled by war. In this narrative, expect to traverse various emotional terrains, the heart-wrenching, the intellectually stimulating, and the ultimately inspiring. It's a story that promises to provide a perspective on life's incredible possibilities when one is supported by the benevolence of strangers and empowered by a relentless will to make a difference. Part 1. From Pastoral Life to Academic Prowess Amidst Turmoil In the rolling hills of Burundi, where the electric buzz of the modern world hadn't yet reached, Deo grew up among cow herds and crop fields. His life was intertwined with the rhythms of nature in a place where electricity and clean water were luxuries beyond grasp, and illnesses roamed unchecked due to the absence of medical facilities. Nurtured in a pastoral society, Deo and his kin found wealth in the soil and in the animals they reared. The family's cows held more than just monetary value, they symbolized stability and status, a safeguard against the lean times. And a source of honour in the community. Deo's father had carved out a modest farm from the earth, and here Deo learned the value of toil and the cyclical generosity of the land. Education, however, was a beacon for Deo's parents. They saw it as a transformative force, a way to transcend the confines of their simple existence. It was within the walls of school that Deo's potential began to unfurl like a sprout in fertile soil. His intellect shone brightly, but its rays cast shadows upon the injustices and brutalities that threaded through Burundi's schooling system. The crack of a ruler or the lash of a branch were ever-present threats that students endured, ostensibly to ensure discipline, but often merely as manifestations of arbitrary power. Amid such adversity, Deo's journey was compounded by the political fissures that coursed through the nation. The grip of the Tutsi elite on the levers of government and academia was ironclad. Although Deo himself was Tutsi, his was not a family with tendrils in the corridors of power. They had cows, crops and aspirations, but no political footholds. Nonetheless, Deo's escape from the constraints of his village lay within the promise of academia. His diligence bore fruit with excellent scores on national examinations. Which vaulted him beyond the thresholds of middle school and into the hallways of one of the country's finest high schools. Here, amid dusty books and the stern gazes of educators, Deo's academic prowess only intensified, culminating in a coveted place at the University of Burundi's medical school. Deo's ascent from the life of a cowherd to the world of medicine was steeped in the contradictions of his homeland, rich in natural beauty and potential yet riven by the harshness of its social and political realities. His is a tale of a young man who held tightly to the dream of education, allowing it to lift him into realms he once might have thought unattainable. Part 2. Escaping the Shadow of Conflict. Deo's Perilous Journey Through Civil War. Amidst the trials of managing both studies and internships, Deo was unexpectedly thrust into the violent uprising that erupted in Burundi. The typical morning he had anticipated unfurled instead into a chaotic tableau, devoid of the medical staff he had grown accustomed to working alongside. The reason for their absence was as alarming as it was simple. Civil war had besieged the nation. The assassination of President Melchior Ndadei, a Hutu, the ethnic majority making up around 85% of the populace, lit the fuse of the conflict the Tutsi-controlled military was held responsible, igniting retaliatory carnage against the Tutsis by the aggrieved Hutus. For Deo, a Tutsi, these developments bore an immediate threat to his life. Fleeing became his only recourse. With dread quickening his step, Deo embarked on a gruelling trek to Rwanda, distancing himself from the epicentre of hostilities, the journey stretching over some seventy kilometres painted a grim picture, a landscape scarred by the vestiges of violence, homes reduced to ash, and the dead dotting the path of his flight. Upon finally reaching a refugee camp in Rwanda, he was met with a new predicament. The camp was mostly populated by Hutus fleeing the Tutsi army's retributive strikes, a dangerous environment for a lone Tutsi like Deo. Confronted with the fear of being recognized and possibly harmed, Deo concluded that he could not linger in Rwanda. Under the veil of darkness, he stole back towards Bujumbura, against the tide of the scattered, in search of a measure of safety within the familiar yet fragile bounds of the city where he studied. Upon his return, however, Deo faced a paralyzing uncertainty, isolation from his family, which stirred the harrowing suspicion that they might have been claimed by the war's indiscriminate wrath. It was yet another chapter in his journey marked by the specter of loss and the cruel tyranny of unknowing. Part 3 A Flight to Hope Deo's Journey Hits the Streets of New York. In 1994, Deo found himself a lone figure amid the maelstrom of chaos that was Burundi's bloody conflict. At just 24 years old, the specter of violence had chased him from his homeland and through the killing fields of Rwanda. Behind him, months of dangerous flight. Ahead, the promise of a new life. A prospect as daunting as it is necessary. Education, once the beacon that guided him, became his lifeline. As a top medical student, his academic success had been notable. This very aptitude would now set the stage for his escape. A friend named John, blessed with resources beyond what Deo could fathom, extended a lifeline. With a letter from Jean's father, a hastily arranged commercial visa, and a ticket paid in full, Deo found himself bound for a city he knew only by name, New York. Disembarking at JFK International Airport, Deo's fluent French an academic trophy, proved to be of little assistance. English was the currency of communication here, and he was painfully unversed. Salvation came in the form of Muhammad, an airport employee from Senegal, whose interpretation skills swayed the immigration officers. But Muhammad's kindness did not end with translation. With scarce more than $200 to his name, Deo faced the harsh reality of New York's living expenses. In an act of selfless generosity, Muhammad welcomed Deo into his home, sheltering him from the overwhelming instability that awaited outside. He didn't stop there. His help extended to securing Deo a job, a grueling labor of grocery deliveries, 12 hour days that yielded a meager $15. It was far from fair, yet it offered Deo something precious a foothold in this sprawling urban landscape that was now his refuge. This confluence of desperation and compassion painted the early days of Deo's American saga, with each step taken on the streets of New York. Deo was walking a tightrope between vulnerability and the hope for a better tomorrow. Through the kindness of a stranger, the erstwhile medical student found the means to cling on, to survive, and ultimately to thrive in the tough, indifferent terrains of his newfound home. Part Four, From Precarious Nights to Kind-Hearted Saviors. New York City's relentless pulse beat on as Deo grappled with his new reality. A makeshift bed on the floor of an abandoned building in Muhammad's care formed his first American dwelling. A harbor in the storm of uncertainty that had beset him. But stability slipped further from Deo's grasp when Muhammad announced plans to leave for Senegal. Deo faced the prospect of solitude amidst the city's chaos. Confronted with the dangers of the urban wilderness, Deo sought refuge in a different abandoned tenement in Harlem. Fate, however, was unkind. His new abode housed threats rather than safety, and an encounter with aggressive squatters left him stripped of his scant funds. With no other recourse, Deo's existence was reduced to the open expanse of Central Park, a home among the elements. Adversity continued its relentless pursuit as illness took a hold of him. A cruel gift from the tainted waters he was forced to drink. In the grip of sickness and despair, a spark of luck ignited. While delivering groceries, Deo crossed paths with Sharon McKenna at the Church of St. Thomas More. Her benevolence shone through as she connected Deo with a doctor who provided treatment free of charge, mercifully revealing his condition to be minor. It was not just a cure for his ailment that Deo received but also McKenna's resolve to extend her helping hand further. She shared Deo's plight with Nancy and Charlie Wolfe, friends whose hearts were as open as their home. The Wolfs became his new protectors, offering him shelter and an allowance that freed him from the gruelling grind of his delivery job. The gifts of compassion did not end there. With the financial assurances provided by the Wolfs. Deo began his formal engagement with the English language at Hunter College, and from there took a leap towards Columbia's American language program. The tuition, a hurdle too high for Deo alone, was gracefully covered by Nancy and Charlie, who were becoming more than benefactors. They were his guides on a journey to reclaim his lost dreams, now taking shape in the vibrant tapestry of New York. Part 5 The Pursuit of Knowledge at Columbia and an unexpected ray of hope as the seasons changed in 1995 so too did dio's academic pursuits his determination to master english morphed into a grander ambition to dive into the depths of biochemistry at columbia university dio was already acquainted with the institution having taken language courses within its ivy-covered walls but to convert that transient relationship into full-fledged matriculation Required more than just aspiration. It needed proof of his scholarly background. Convincing his former medical school in Burundi to release his academic records proved no easy task. They believed him to have perished in the turmoil back home. But persistence has a way of bending even the most stubborn realities, and Deo's transcripts were, at last, dispatched to Colombia. The admissions gauntlet continued with tests and examinations but Deo's results spoke poignantly of his capabilities. With aid in various forms, scholarships, loans, and the continued generosity of Nancy and Charlie, Deo embarked on his freshman year in the fall of 1995. Biochemistry formed the crux of his studies, but philosophy too found a place in his curriculum, a serendipitous pairing that he had yet to fully comprehend. Despite the notable achievement of entering such a prestigious university, the gravity of this milestone eluded Deo, until he saw the admiration reflected in the eyes of peers from other New York colleges. In a stirring turn of events during his sophomore year, Deo received news that pierced the darkness that had clouded his past. After years of sporadic and tentative calls to a friend in Burundi, he learned his family had survived. The revelation was a precious balm to the wounds left by war, which had claimed his brothers, among others, dear to him. Compelled by a newfound sense of hope and duty, Deo sought ways to extend support to his family across the ocean. Tutoring and bartending became the tools of his endeavor. No job, too menial, if it meant the chance to offer assistance to the loved ones he had once feared were lost to him forever. It was a poignant reflection of Deo's heart one that beat not just for his own dreams but for the well-being of those who shared his blood and history. Part 6. The Relentless Pursuit of a Medical Career Against All Odds. With a degree from Columbia in hand, Deo's next goal was clear. Medical school. Yet the transition from graduate to medical student brought about unforeseen hurdles. His status as a non-permanent resident in the United States loomed large, barring the gateway to his medical aspirations. It wasn't for lack of trying. James O'Malley, a legal ally of Nancy and Charlie Wolfe's compassionate network, had already set the wheels in motion for Deo's green card, the golden ticket he needed to advance his academic journey. However, progress was frustratingly slow, and without that crucial piece of documentation, Medical school application forms remained an insurmountable barrier. Refusing to be sidelined, Deo remained intimately connected to the world of medicine through every means possible. As his time at Columbia drew to a close, a book titled Infections and Inequalities by Dr. Paul Farmer caught his eye. The tome shed light on the stark imbalances in global health care and Dr. Farmer's involvement with Partners in Health, PIH an organization committed to delivering health care to the underserved, resonated deeply with Deo. Determined to forge a path towards meeting the influential author, Deo's perseverance paid off when he learned of a lecture Dr. Farmer was giving in Boston, where Deo had relocated. In the aftermath of the event, their conversation unfolded his remarkable story, captivating Dr. Farmer and earning Deo a place within the ranks of PIH. Engaging in literature review and data collection, Deo was finally navigating the world he felt destined to join. And then, the moment Deo had been waiting for arrived. After what felt like a lifetime, O'Malley succeeded in securing Deo's green card. With this newfound status and Dr. Farmer's support, Deo's dream rekindled into a bright flame. Dartmouth's medical school opened its doors to him. Marking the beginning of a new chapter in his extraordinary quest, against a backdrop of uncertainty and setbacks, Deo's dedication never waned, exemplifying the power of resilience as he took his next steps on the path to becoming a healer. Part 7. The Bonds of Empathy. How Deo's guardian angels were shaped by their past. In the whirlwind of adversity, several extraordinary individuals reached out to Deo their actions pivotal to his survival and progression. But what spurs someone to extend such generosity towards a stranger? An inquisitive delve into the lives of Nancy and Charlie Wolfe, and Sharon McKenna, sheds light on their impulses to aid. Nancy and Charlie's lives had been touched by Nigeria's turmoil some years prior, a two-year sojourn punctuated by a month in safe houses amidst rising violence, With a death toll of thousands shadowing their experience, the couple had an acute understanding of the horrors Deo had fled from. This visceral connection to the realities of conflict laid the emotional groundwork for their compassion towards Deo. Beyond shared experiences of instability, Charlie also felt the tug of kinship with Deo. As a sociologist and someone who grew up in rural surroundings, Charlie perceived a reflection of his own beginnings in Deo's past. This mutual rural heritage, though set worlds apart, established a silent bond that drew Charlie to Deo's plight. Upon meeting the emaciated and homeless Deo, Nancy's maternal instincts were instantaneously triggered, cementing their decision to welcome him into their lives. Without offspring of their own, the wolves found in Deo someone to nurture and support, a son in practice if not by blood. Their collective actions reshaped Deo's world, and the Wolves found themselves equally transformed. Deo, the unexpected entrant into their lives, evolved into their greatest source of joy, reciprocating the care they had so generously lavished upon him. Sharon McKenna, on the other hand, cultivated her capacity for caring through daily acts of service at the Church of St. Thomas More. With meager financial gain, Sharon dedicated herself to assisting those in crisis who sought the church's solace. Spotting the seeds of gratitude and recognizing the value of her deeds in Deo's progress touched a special place in her heart, endearing him to her as more than just another soul in need. In this mesh of lives, shaped by distant land's violence, rural upbringing, and everyday acts of mercy, Deo found sanctuary and direction. These selfless individuals, driven by their own histories and instincts, offered a steadying hand to a stranger, weaving their narratives into his and charting a course of transformation propelled by compelling empathy. Part 8. A Homecoming Mission Deo's Dedication to Healing His Homeland With the chapters of medical school behind him, Deo's mind turned homeward during his time at a Rwandan hospital with partners in health. Witnessing the impact of accessible healthcare, he was struck by a formidable thought. His native land, Burundi, was in desperate need of such facilities. And so, the seeds of a profound endeavor were sown. Come June 2006, Deo set foot in his birth village for the first time in nearly 14 years. The scars of the civil war that had only recently stilled were evident. Yet, amidst the landscape of recovery, Deo's determination to foster change was unwavering. He had visited Burundi five years prior but had not since reconnected with the village of his youth until this momentous return. The intervening years had not dulled his commitment to his family. Thrift and a caring hand had allowed him to refurbish his parents' home and contribute to his old elementary school's restoration, tangible proofs of his enduring bond to his roots. His intentions in coming back, though met with inquisitive gazes, were driven by a singular, compelling motive, the establishment of a clinic. This health center would not be a mere building, but a sanctuary of healing, a not-for-profit beacon serving a community that had known too much pain. With the aid of his partners, in health colleagues and a legion of American friends, Deo's vision took shape. Fundraising efforts sprouted stateside while, on Burundian soil, the clinic began to rise. Deo's world, once divided by oceans, now converged in the service of this cause. On November 7, 2007, the clinic embraced its first patients. Staffed by six Burundian nurses, a local doctor, and a contingent of American medical professionals, it was a melting pot of compassion. In its inaugural year, some 20,000 patients passed through its doors, each offered care at no cost. An initiative born from one man's gratitude and nurtured by collective support, Deo's clinic became a testament to the power of unity and proof that even the most personal of dreams could sow hope for an entire community. Final Summary Deo's life is a remarkable narrative of hope's triumph over adversity. With a backdrop of the brutal Burundian civil war, he found himself a refugee in New York City in 1994. Bereft of funds, without an understanding of the English language and utterly alone, his prospects were bleak. Yet the course of his life was irrevocably changed due to the benevolence of strangers. His journey, which spanned continents and challenges, led Deo through the rigours of medical school thanks to the support and encouragement of newfound friends. With each obstacle he overcame, his resolve strengthened, and eventually the time came for him to return the compassion that had been so generously extended to him. Returning to the wounds of his homeland, Deo orchestrated the creation of a clinic, an embodiment of his dedication to care and his desire to give back to the community that raised him. The tale of Deo is not solely his own, but a testament to humanity's capacity for kindness and the indomitable spirit that propels us towards making a difference in our world. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge.